0: Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential, with your host, Lisa Tarmati. Brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hi everyone, Lisa Tamari here at Pushing the Limits. It's fantastic to have you all back again. I'm super excited to have you. And today we have a very special guest. I have Emily Miasga. And if you don't know who Emily is, you probably know her famous cookies, which are Em's Power Cookies. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure uh, a lot of you are going, oh yes, I know Em's Power Cookies. Well, Em is now to guest on Pushing the Limits. Welcome to the show, Emily. How are you? Hi Lisa, I'm really good. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a real pleasure. Well, no, it's it's super exciting to have you on. We actually had a guest, uh, Leanne, who – a guest, sorry, a fan of the show – write to me and say, can you please have Emily on? And she's so epic and I wanna hear her talk. So I reached out to Emily and here we are today. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome, thanks
1: Leanne too for that, that's very cool. And we finally got, got here, so
0: no, it, it's very, very cool. I love it when a good plan comes together. Exactly, <laughs> it only took us about three months but we did get there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, Emily is a Canadian born, but she's living in New Zealand. And Emily is famous for her M's cookies. So let's go there for a start, before we get into your athletic career, sure. um, because you've been an amazing athlete. But you have cookies. What are what are these about, Emily? Oh, oh,
1: my cookies! I should have had one here with me. I've to run get to the kitchen. But my my power cookies. It's quite funny. I I've been making them since I was a little kid growing up in Canada. Because in Canada, we just love you know it's like cookies are really the thing to do and. I was a sporty kid. I was always running, and I was always into nutrition as well. Like I ended up studying dietetics and became a dietitian. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came to New Zealand, I was I was traveling, and I ended up here for coast to coast. And I, what I do, this is just kind of how I roll, is I would stay at friends' houses and I'd make them my power cookies as a as a thank you, yeah, you know, or or I'd give them to the guys at the bike shop to bribe them, you know, to like <laughs> help me out with stuff. <laughs> it always works a treat. Um, And in the back of my mind, I had always wanted to start my own business. And I didn't. I, I decided I wanted to stay in New Zealand. I didn't want to go back to work in a clinical dietetic setting. Mm-hmm. And so I actually brought power cookies to Robin Judkins, the the director, the creator of the Coast to Coast. And wow, yeah. So after my first Coast to Coast in two thousand four, I went and saw Judie, and I brought him cookies. And I'm like, hey, I'm thinking of starting a business and selling these cookies because you know everyone like has always said they're so good, and I should sell them. So, so I I basically just started the business and um it's it's a nice I always loved giving them to people and to share them with people and so that was like a real drive behind wanting to do it plus of course you know having my own business and yeah and, and doing my own thing because the products they just they really they just really work and so what what the actual power cookies are is they're just made from ingredients that you know you'd probably find in in most
0: pantries you know um rolled oats um <laughs> oh, a bloody phone ringing in the background. I know. Oh, I probably should. I should probably put mine on
1: on airplane mode while while we're here. Um, <laughs> just ignore it. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but they just have like like rolled oats as the base ingredient, dried fruit, real dark chocolate, um, a bit of brown sugar, a bit of rice syrup, um, nuts. Um, I use peanut butter and my peanut chocolate bomb, but just natural ingredients. and yep. I think the reason why they work so well is because well they're they're yummy they taste really good and they're really easy to eat and digest and they just don't especially when you're racing or doing something hard they just don't upset your stomach
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and i think it's because like i don't use compound chocolates i don't use um processed oils there's no palm oil i don't add all these protein powders like soy protein isolate and um, you know, whey are protein. They bad,
0: are they? So, so, you yeah, know, let's yeah. go into that a little bit. So soy yeah. protein isolate. No, when I read that on the packet it means not much to me. Yeah. Why is that a bad thing?
1: Um, I just don't think, and this is just my sort of anecdotal um, feeling, I guess. Um, I, you know, it's, it's not a, you know a real like dietetic thing but i just think your your body w- when it's under the pump it yep. just can't digest those types of foods they're not real
0: food so that processed in a way that it's just... it's pr-
1: yeah it's processed and it's concentrated it's kind of like when people try to race and they they just try to only consume gels oh
0: terrible like, i like, hate gels
1: yeah i know like gels have their place like if if you're if you Maybe. if you need them in an emergency or like for example in the coast to coast mountain run I use gels because they're convenient. They, they work for that specific purpose. But to fuel a whole Ironman or a whole Ultra or whatever on just gels, you're just going to end up with major stomach yeah. problems. Yeah. Um, because it's just really hard on your gut to digest it. So that's where having real food, I think, works, works a lot better. And so that's the main difference between my products and your sort of commercially available um, nutrition bars. Like, they all look good on paper nutritionally. But for me, I guess as a dietitian and as a foodie, sure it's gotta look good on paper, but it also has to taste good, it also has to be digestible and it has to give it has to fulfill the intended purpose. And so with M's, the intended purpose is to give a really nice sustained, sustained energy.
0: energy. And this yeah. is really, really important because yeah, a lot of things look good on paper or they don't, you know, have this or that. I mean, I've had some really bad experience with gels and I, and a lot of our athletes at running hot have have come unstuck with gels and and I and I tell people just stay away from them completely. Or if you're running something like a 10k or even a half marathon, you can get away with it. But above that, when as soon as your digestive tract is going to be struggling because all the blood's out in the muscles, um you're going to be going for a little bit longer, they're just not good fit. Now there is some new ones on the market that I haven't tested and that are meant Mm -hmm. to be new um, formulations and so on but even even ones that are fruit-based i find that they go very acidic in your tummy and fruit yeah. at least for my stomach um during a during an event is, is a no-go so yeah. real food is something that i'm quite passionate about getting my athletes to adopt too and in yeah. food that tastes good so yeah. um really good too we'll have to um Talk a little bit about getting some EMS cookies for our athletes to. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely.
1: That, that's right. You know, when the the types of gels that I used to use, um, it was just actually a corn syrup. Yeah, gel. Yes. It was a. It, yeah, but it but it was better than the glucose and the um yes. the maltodextrin ones. Like a lot of them have that maltodextrin, which is just like eating trying to consume pain paint stripper and it's just like oh my gosh they, like yeah. I said you do have their place but um, um you need to put not, your phone on airplane
0: yeah not 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 in a race and oh, god we've got the bloody fight I don't know who it is it's trying to get me but somebody's trying to get me um, hi put them, you can answer it and put them on the
1: podcast <laughs> yeah no
0: um yeah it's um it's my business partner Neil so everybody just blame Neil for ringing me in the middle yeah. of a podcast I know. Um, <laughs> and it happens every week, sort of things. But I think my listeners sort of um, uh, get it that we've got life going on. Um, so, Emily, yes. now I want to change tact, and I want to talk a little bit about your sporting career. We've yep. touched on the fact that you did coast to coast. Now, you didn't just do coast to coast. Take take us through your 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 history with the coast to coast, and, oh. and um, your, your amazing records
1: oh thanks how how long do we have um (laughs) i could talk about coast to coast all day it's a very very dear race to me um it's what really connected me in new zealand you know the mountains and just how inspirational the course is um it's amazing so i what i was traveling and i was doing some adventure racing I, i was living in australia and training with a, a guy named Guy Andrews. He was a yep. um, surf, surf Ironman, um, surf lifesaving champion of Australia. He won that a few times. And I met him while I was traveling and racing. And, and he's just like, you're all right. You're a good chick. Do you want to <laughs> breathe? And I'm like, yeah. So I, I was living in Aussie and, and spent about six months training with Guy. And he really helped me with my kayaking because I hadn't kayaked before. Yep. But that was all ocean paddling. And anyway... I thought well um after my stint there the plan was to come to new zealand to race the coast to coast because it was you know i guess on the bucket list and i thought well do the coast to coast and then i'll go back to canada and you know settle down and get a life and go back to work as a dietitian well (laughs) as you know i came and never left so (laughs) so the first first year i came it was in when i raced it was 2004 and that year it flooded out and two-thirds of the field never finished. They were getting out the mountain. It was carnage, man. Like it was, yeah. and and I had only been through the run on, like I'd gone through the run a couple times on fine days and I hadn't experienced that New Zealand rain, mountains, rivers coming up. I'd, I had no concept. I grew up in the prairies in Saskatchewan, like where kind of stuff just doesn't happen. So I remember going up through Goat Pass and it was just like it's torrents of water coming down, and we're clamoring over, you know, using the trees to get up and like skirting these like waterfalls. It was gnarly. And I was like, holy shit, like this is like, (laughs) go on, man. Um, I knew it was pretty, pretty intense. And so I got through Goat Pass, and um, there was a marshal there asking us how we were doing, and I was definitely probably hypothermic and yeah. you know, not not probably you know probably wasn't so good for me to carry on no. but i actually felt okay and i said i'm a little cold but i'm okay and i just kept my head down and i kept running wow and i didn't stop because i knew if i stopped they would that'd be it yeah and I, I got through the mountain run got onto the river and i'm like you know and and, and everyone like it was just like like one of my friends from Australia, Chris Clausen, he was like walking back up the hill to Mount White when I was running down to the river. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I didn't realize the carnage that was unfolding both in front of me and behind me. Wow. So my crew, like the, the, the marshals were, were checking people at the kayak transition. And, and if we were hypothermic, they were pulling you off and not letting you get on the water. Yep. If I was able to sneak through, <laughs> And my crew, like, put me in the boat, and they're like, oh, you'll be fine. And off I went. (laughs) And um, anyway, I I made it through, and I finished. And, like, I remember reading reading some of Kathy Lynch's stuff about the coast-to-coast will make you grovel. And Kathy Lynch, for those of you who don't know Kathy Lynch, she's probably one of the toughest athletes, full stop, you know, on the planet. She's amazing. I've never met Kathy, but she's one of my inspirations. Yeah. And I just remember her like on that final ride about groveling. And as a I had like the, <laughs> the whisper on the final ride because I was completely <laughs> I was Oh
0: my
1: god. And when I got to the finish line, I just said there is no need to ever do that again. <laughs> and then like two days later I'm at the pub with my buddy Lynn and I'm just like, you know, like he's my kayak sponsor and he's been with me from the start helping me. I love Lenny. And, um, you know, you can start conspiring again for the next the next yes. year. And, and at the time, I was being coached by Michael Jacks um, in Wellington. And he just emailed me and said, hey, I reckon you can win this race. And um, so he coached me through, and, and we got there in um, 2005. I actually had um, a pretty good race in 2005. I came third again. Um, but I was recovering from knee surgery, and I was still – getting used to the course and then 2006 was a major step up for me because I upgraded my kayak and actually learned how to really paddle that river and I really started to master that river and I also I think I had a shift as well in I guess my mental approach. Yep. When I first started it was about you know, oh, I'm going to come smash the coast to coast. And it was very ego driven and like I was out to prove something. Yeah. And then it started to transition into more um, introspection, learning what was it that was driving me, why was I wanting to do this and feeling more
0: gratitude. And what was driving you do you think now when you look back?
1: Um, I think... Well, in the beginning it was, I, I, it went hand in hand with the cookie business and I, I needed to be successful in the race because I wanted, I was u- literally using my racing as a testimony, as a testament to my power cookies. Yeah, true. And, and so that was a big driver. I wanted to actually show people how it could, how it could be. Um, but I, a big driver was just the, the sheer beauty of the course in New Zealand and being in the mountains and i think you know i've always been a competitive person so of course that comes through but but it was but it was beyond that it was about understanding like why you know why was i put on this earth why was i here you know what is it that that, that i can do and and when i would when i would do well it would it would inspire other people and you've probably had this as well and and that actually feedback Onto you, and and it really, I was really in tune to that, and really receptive, and and you know, like I'm all that kind of stuff, the the philosophical stuff, and and you know, sort of this mind body spiritual thing, you know, it, it's all up to individuals as to how they interpret and process it, and you know, it might be real, it might be not, but what's what is real is what's in your head, yeah, and I. I was listening and I let it kind of become a part of me and I let it become part of my story
0: and, and part of my motivation. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. So now we're at uh, where were we? Two thousand six, two thousand and seven. So you've, yeah. failed, you've done you've yeah. it twice. You've mm-hmm. done and you've won it now how many times? So in total I, 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 won, I won it I won it
1: three times. So three times. Wow. Yeah. So, so two thousand and seven I I had a foot injury, I had plantar fasciitis, and I tried pushing through and it just didn't work. Like on race day, I always say like with longest day, coast to coast, if you try to hide an injury, or if you have a problem,
0: (laughs) it will come out.
1: (laughs) The race pulls it out of you and it pulled it out of me. at Goat past and I was like, ooh, I just can't do this. And so I pulled out of the race which was really sad, but I, I, it was too much. And
0: it's pretty painful. And that's, I mean, that's racing. When you're pushing the limits, things are going to go sometimes pear-shaped. Otherwise, and if it was mm-hmm. easy, everyone would be doing it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So that year, um, Fleur Pauzy won it.
0: And she sort of popped up
1: and, and surprised people with her win. Um, I I pulled out Alina Usher, one of the other top girls. She didn't have very good race. And so people were sort of speculating and saying, oh, you know, who's this Fleur? You know, kind of talking about her win and and like it wasn't a, a worthy win because the top girls kind of dropped out, but which is just stupid. Like she had an absolutely brilliant race, and it, but like the longest day is about who manages themselves and the best, and and that day Fleur was amazing, and um, so the next year in two thousand eight, um, was a pretty exciting year, and and I was really working on my mental game. And um that year I learned a lot. So so I, I ended up beating Flora by forty-four seconds that year. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So she was leading coming off the water. I had a bad paddle. I at that point I still I wasn't eating on the water. I was just using sports drink and coke. Yep. And the river was really low and it was taking longer than I thought. And so my nutrition fell a bit short. And I had to pull over and, and I had an emergency gel. So I had a gel as a backup. I normally don't use gels, um, only on the run of it. So um, I came off the water seven minutes behind Fleur, and we still have the 70K time trial to Christchurch. Yep. And that's a lot to make up. But one thing that I was really good at um, with my racing, I sort of took a feather from Steve Gurney's hat, and I mastered that final ride. Yep. Most people hated it. I loved it. I knew every inch of that ride, and I knew that I could probably ride 10 minutes quicker than any other.
0: Woman,
1: wow. yeah. so I like I was and, and I was very good at my energy management, and I think I think that's why I was good at coast to coast. Is not because I was the best runner or the best paddler or whatever cyclist. I think it's because I was really good at managing my energy, and I think the the power cookies had a lot to do with it because it yeah. gave me that sustained energy which put, pushed me through. So I um I, think I had actually, to chase her. What's up?
0: Yeah, I think that's actually one of the things that I was you. Know, good at too, I wasn't fast, I wasn't anything, but over the really long sort of races, yeah. it was about how do you manage your body, and how yeah. do you manage your energy levels, Yeah, uh, and, I, and I did have difficulty with digestive things, but I managed yeah. to sort of, sort of to even, it, it still be moving, you know, no matter yeah. how long it was that you were yeah. out there. Yeah. You know, my,
1: my coach that year, I changed to, um, to John Newsom in Christchurch, he's a triathlon coach, and, and one of the things that he said to me which really stuck was When you're in these races, it's you're always going to have those low points, but it's all about when you have those low points to really minimize the losses. Mm-hmm. So I I was always open and, and, and it's like, well, if I'm having a shitty time right now, chances are my competitors are as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to accept it. I'm not going to fight it, but I'm going to deal with it and I'm going to get on because before right, right. you know it, you'll probably have that in the next part of your you know race where oh all of a sudden I actually feel quite good and um and so it's just a little moment in time and it passes and so you just have to accept it that those low spots are going to happen and you just got to minimize those losses so that was really good advice there's
0: a good quote that's one of my favorite quotes in the world that says this too will pass yes and keep that in your head when you're in the deep dark places in the race yeah. you know that yeah. it will pass as well yes. and and sometimes what and this is, I think, for new athletes who haven't experienced this before, they think it's all over. Yeah. Uh, they think there's no there's no coming back from this. I'm feeling so bad. There is no way out. I'm so yeah. cold. I'm So I've lost so much energy. I'm vomiting or whatever that there's no yeah. way back. And they're very, 99 times out of 100, there is a way back. And there yeah. will pass. And if you can give your body maybe just a few minutes break or yeah. slowing down yeah. for a little bit or walking for a bit and then hello you come back and you can exactly exactly
1: it's so true and and i think what what does help with having a bit of experience well well you can practice this without racing but you have to work on it like it's it's really easy to sit and talk about it out you know um in 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 your living room but it's another thing to actually put it into practice and so that's where when the heat is on and you're in in that moment having the wherewithal to kind of look at yourself objectively and pull yourself out of it. Yes. And that was, I used to joke about doing that. I used to joke about, Oh, I'm brainwashing myself. And, and we would kind of laugh because, but it's kind of true. I literally was like, that's how I thought of it. I was like, Oh, oh I'm brainwashing myself. And, and um, you know, being able to master your mind. And so, so when I was chasing floor on that final ride and um, I remember my coach, we they put me on the bike and he's just like, right, just settle in when you're ready, drop it in the big gear and do what you know you can do. And he's like, "And whatever you do, just never give up. Yep. And so on that ride was my first real experience because I'm chasing and I'm, you know, seven minutes is a lot of time to make no. up on a two hour ride. And I was like, well, okay. Am I going to catch her? What's the split? You know, and I was going through all these scenarios and I was thinking and I was worrying about like, oh, I don't want her to win because that's, you know, I this is my race and I want to win this race. And then, you know, and I was thinking beyond into the future and then I was worrying about, you know, stuff that had happened in the past. And, and as I was observing in myself, as I was thinking futuristically or in the past, my energy would l- literally drain from my legs. Wow. But when I stopped, when I re- I realized that that was going on, because um, oh. my I, I was working with Renzi Hannum, who's a mental yeah yeah Renzi's okay. yeah, great, and, and he I remember him saying like when you're thinking futuristically or in the past, you you literally lose your energy. Yeah. But when you're in the present and you and I I gave I realized that and I was like right I gave myself permission. Yep. Let her go. Don't worry about her. Don't worry about whether or not I'm going to win or catch her. Just like drop my elbows, relax my back, click it up a couple more gears, pull up with my heels, take a sip of my Coke. And I just focused on riding yeah. as fast as I could. And, um, and, you know, I still got the splits. Like the radio guys were going back and forth and giving us splits. And you take it on, but you take it on as useful information. You assess it, you take it, and then you move on. You don't hang on to it. And so once you get to that point where you're completely in your zone, and it's not a magical enigma, you can create it, and and you can make it happen. And once you're in that zone, you literally feel like superwoman. It, it was it was an amazing thing. And when I started reeling her in, and when I knew I was going to catch her, and 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 this is where like this energy thing really came into play because. Because it was such exciting racing. And, and the girl, um, Rachel Cashin, who was in third place, she was only a couple minutes behind me. Wow. So she could ride a bike as well. So we, were all, we all finished within a, a few minutes of each other, which is really exciting racing. It's a 13-hour race. Wow. Um, but the, you could feel the energy. People were pulled over on the side of the streets like I had never seen before. Yeah. And I just the support that was out there and, and that electric energy, I could literally feel it. And it really fed me because I was like, yeah. I, I was, I was using it to my advantage. I was taking it and, and using it, yeah. and, and that was a really pivotal time because it made me realize how you can actually put into practice harnessing yeah. that that mind body connection
0: oh, and mastering so your mind. Yeah, and and this is something that you know I, I try and do nowadays whenever I'm because most of most of the time most of us yeah. are in the future or in the past yeah. we are either you know how bad by the crap that's uh, that makes up our past yeah or we're, we're in the predictable future as dr joe dispenser talks about as someone i follow um very closely and so oh. we're, we're emotionally one way we're being pulled or the other instead of actually being in the present and then creating yes. our future without the baggage right uh, in, in in the middle of a race i can totally understand how that drains your energy. And yeah, keeping your, keeping your mind in the right place yeah. is just such a crucial piece of the puzzle, wasn't it? It um, is. Yeah, you can, train, you can train everything, but you have to train that mind, and yeah. that, and then having yeah. that experience. So you managed to. So, so take us over the finish line on those last <laughs> couple of minutes. What was it like? When did you get it? Every, Everybody was out on the street, and and a couple of people that I
1: train with, and my coach, and everyone it just seemed like everyone was there for me um yes. and I think they were there for both for all of us <laughs> um, but I felt like they were there for me and it, it was just electric and it was almost I remember riding through red cliffs like I passed Fleur in red cliffs and when I went by her and, and you know she she was at she was spent and I was just like I was just like ramping up it was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. it was really crazy shift um but I just remember this this feeling of the the hill um, riding past the hill and the people out cheering it was like riding in an amphitheater wow and it was almost like an out of body experience yeah, it was yeah. probably just low blood sugars but <laughs> but it felt like that and when I when I got across the line I absolutely freaked out I just lost it and I was screaming and Jenny yes. was we just like we were like oh because I was just like you know I had like such exquisite focus and discipline, and then to get across the line and to actually achieve, you know, what I had set out to do, it was just like amazing. Like it was the, it was an amazing feeling. It was like it was pretty life changing. And then when when Fleur crossed the line and we we high fived, it it was. I think she was really happy as well. Like obviously she didn't win, but it was an amazing, (laughs) it was a moment of empowerment for women in sport to see like, take that boys. This is not a boring one horse race. (laughs) We were power girls and we made this a freaking awesome Awesome race. race. Right. And Fleur knew it and I knew it. And it was all, that moment wasn't about who won. It was about look at what, look at what an awesome,
0: race we just had it's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love it that is such a you're such a good storyteller and i can um, (laughs) feel the emotions of it and and, having having been in similar situations myself and just going yeah i remember i was doing 100k nationals running around taupo and i'd had a a really bad i'd I'd injured my back the the night before or actually falling off my chair and hit my kidneys so my kidneys were were hurt oh no painkillers and at midnight we were starting at three in the morning and at midnight I was like in agony you know spasms and stuff and and I had oh my to take all these painkillers. And, of course, then I was completely woozy with the painkillers. And at 3 o'clock, I'm like, my mum had to dress me. That's how bad I was. And I'm standing on the start line at 3 a.m. with my business partner and my coach, Neil, who was doing his first 100K. And it's yeah. 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm, like, completely out of it but going, right, we're going, you know. Yeah, here <laughs> and, we go. We're doing this. We're doing this. Yeah. And it was an agony. Like, the first couple of hours were really, really bad. And then, um, and then I started falling asleep because of the painkillers, and I just kept oh. out. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and Neil, who who's doing his first hundred, and I'm meant to be helping him, right? And he's like holding my hand, trying to keep me awake, and trying to, you know, wake me up as I'm keep passing out it was probably good for him it was, yeah <laughs> and he was great and then as time wore on and the day came in and my body started to wake up as it often does and the painkillers were out of my system and somehow the kidney pain had lessened I yeah. not know why isn't it funny how that happens it but, just goes yeah. away you think it's all over and then if you just go sometimes you can get through it So then I was, and then we were running along, we're doing quite well. And then we got to about 70 kilometers in and Neil started to really break down then because it was his first race doing this. And he he was, you know, having his really deep dark moments and despair and crying and, you know, as you do Oh. and and going along and I'm talking to him and we're, you know, so we've been helping each other all the way through. And then it got to about 93, 94 kilometers. And one of my crew came back and they said, the number one lady is just ahead of you. Um, sorry, number two. So I was in third place at the stage, and and we reckon you can get her, you know. And yeah. and um, so I was like, oh, I've got to go. And You're was, like Neil, I'm leaving you. See ya. <laughs> so I said to, my, said to my mate Neil, and I usually don't like to abandon someone, especially when they've helped me through the first half. And he's, yeah. just, he's just crying and going, go, go. Go oh. and go for it. I'm fine. I'm fine. I've got program, I'm fine. And so you yeah. And then I started drinking the Coca Cola, which you know, yeah. in life, guys, don't drink Coca Cola. But on the yeah, life- only drink Coke if you're doing ultras. <laughs> or phase, it was like anything goes and I was just drinking and I was just going like, I, like in that flow state where you see you I could see her ahead of me and I was just mowing her down yeah. like, she like was stuck. not getting away from you there is no way honey oh, and, then, and the Coca-Cola I had my little cousin who was a 12 year old and he was running beside me and bringing me the coke and stuff and going come on come on come on and oh. I just I know as I, like, I we past her she broke of course you know because when you yeah. just flies past you you break you, right yeah and, and I, I didn't want to do that to her but I wanted I know to but you have to do it. It's like, I'm sorry. Like when Florida oh came across line, I was like, I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I mowed down on, And I ended up, so I was second. So the first place kid had already come across, but yeah. second at the nationals. And that was just like one of those epic moments, you know, one of those epic yeah. times that you just Yeah. Like, yeah, um, and my poor mate Neil came over a few minutes later, and he was fine. He had his first hundred k under his belt, and awesome. it was epic, you know. And so you never quite know how a race is going to go, even though. That's you- it,
1: and it's never it's it ain't over till it's over. And you know, it, it was so funny because at that year when when in 2008 when it was such a close race, and I remember we were staying with some friends, and I was debating about oh should I wear an arrow helmet for the last ride or should I just use my normal helmet, and and my friend said well it can make you up to, you know, 30 seconds quicker. And it's just like, well, they gave me that 30
0: seconds. Out. I wore the arrow helmet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it made a difference. But, you know,
1: <laughs> but, you know, one thing that people can do um, to train themselves to work on, on that being in the moment kind of thing is, first of all, I think just acknowledging that you are the master of your mind and it's your decision how you take things on. Are you going to let external things uh, distract you because that's all they are? what your competition's doing, what the weather's doing. Those are all just external distractions that you cannot control. I mean. So you have to acknowledge what you can control and what you can't control and be really mindful of, of, of just filtering things out. And if something does come at you, take it as like just be really objective, be really clinical and clear and just take it as information. And then, and then you can do some exercises too, like, you know, I'd be out on a training run and, I'd, you know, a long run, and you're looking at that hill way out in the distance, and it's like, oh, it seems so far. But then you go, well, actually, is it far? Like, who decides how far it is? Like, it, depending on your perspective, it could actually be quite close. And then you, you run that, you do that run, and then you quickly learn, well, actually, that only took me 10 minutes to run up to that hill, and it looks like ages. And so then you you kind of take that and go, oh, okay. And then next time it doesn't seem so bad. And then next time it doesn't seem so bad. So like in the beginning when I was started the training for longest day, like I had never done that kind of long training before I was mainly doing like 5Ks and yeah. 10K's and a few like track ones and stuff. So to do like a six hour bike ride or a three hour or four hour run like that or big paddles, that was way beyond my experience level. And so, in the beginning, it almost seemed unfathomable to do that volume of training. But in the end, it was like no big deal at all. And it was just the only difference was a bit of experience and a bit of just going. Oh, it is
0: it is is fitness, but mostly it's your mindset. And you know what's interesting is like um, you've retired now, and I've retired now. Yeah, great. Try and go and do. (laughs) Yeah, we're sensible now. <laughs> <We've been laughs> for a while, yeah. once I go and try and do something long, yeah. that experience is actually gone. Like I have to reopen up that horizon again. Uh, mm-hmm. So when I when I decide that I'm doing something longer today, it is like, what oh, was that so far again? And I'm back where I was. It doesn't stay open. Like just because yeah. you used to do hundreds of kilometers, it doesn't mean yeah. that you can always stay there. So you actually have to keep, in other words, it's a muscle that needs to be trained. Yeah.
1: yeah, and your body will only let you do so much. And and that that's actually kicked my butt a little bit because like I won't do anything for a while. Like I'll do stuff, but like, you know, a bit of yoga, a bit of, Working on my land, you know, cutting some gorse or whatever, and then it's like, oh, I haven't been for a run in in a wee while. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go out for a run, and then you know, you just think yeah. that. Oh, but like there's a bit of muscle memory there, but then you pay for it because you're yeah. not, yeah, and just
0: not like you think. You, you think I remember um, my very last uh, run that I did, which was right across the North Island for um, a charity over three days, and yeah. um, with my my husband and, and Neil. And it was for a a friend of ours who had died and we were running across. And I hadn't trained the entire year because I'd had mum sick. And I sort of thought, ah, I'll be fine. Because I've done like way, way, way more. And then, oh my God, it kicked my butt. Because I hadn't been training and I hadn't had that mental thing for a basically a year so i got to the finish line but oh i wasn't in good shape You know? yeah yeah i know um, and you think it would remain with you but it doesn't I'm yeah, totally. it's, something yeah it,
1: it's like anything you have to train it and practice yeah. it and and that but yeah that, that um g- keeping your muscles
0: active and you yeah and even though like you're training and you're doing your fitness it's very different to be doing those long sort of stuff and that grueling yeah kind of long stuff yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's in store for Emily now? So you're still doing the Ems power copies. Where can people get them? And um, Yeah, tell us a little yeah. bit about where they are. Um,
1: Well, people can get the Ems at most bike shops in New Zealand, like, especially like the Torpedo 7s and, and the bike shops. We have pretty good distribution there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been in the, the New Worlds nationwide. Um, not all the New Worlds stock all the products, though, But if you have, but, but they can certainly get them. So if you've got like a favorite New World,
0: um, you can um, uh, ask find them there people. or you, you can ask. People. Everybody go ask for them because yeah. they can get them in there more. Huh? That, that's what Pix Peanut
1: Butter did. He got his customers to go in and harass the, the grocery yeah. buyers.
0: So go in like, just
1: be shamelessly you know, harassing, harassing them. Um, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> um, last year I brought out, I was the first to the New Zealand market uh, with the hemp. Uh, protein cookies. Yeah, yeah. And I'd always wanted to make a protein cookie, but I wanted it to be vegan and natural and I wanted it to taste good. I didn't want to just load it up with sugar substitutes and, and protein powders. So my hemp cookies are made with natural peanut butter, date syrup, and um, hemp protein. Wow. And it's not just a token amount of hemp, it's like 16, 18% hemp right. protein, which we source from New Zealand. Yay! Right. Um, and those are in all the countdowns. So most right. of the countdowns. So Countdown doesn't have my other range, but they have the hemp cookies. Um, okay. but, so yeah, so Bike Shop, uh, BP Connect Nationwide has, has a few of the bars. And I'm actually just working on a distribution deal with the company. And, and um, we're just still going through the process of, of just pulling together all the information. But I'm hoping that that's going to help to give us more widespread distribution because that's like that's one thing that I've always struggled with over the years because um, we're a small company. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not owned by a big food conglomerate. No. I don't have like big marketing budgets and this kind of stuff because it's really, it's really expensive to, to really distribute it and service your product. Like when, when I first met you, Lisa, I was doing that, that in-store yeah. tasting at yeah. at yeah New World in Wellington. And like to do that all over the country, like obviously you can't do it yourself because you just can't. Everywhere at once, yeah. But if I were to pay somebody to do that for us, like it's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and to do a sustained campaign, like it's so it, wow. it's hard. But we're but we are getting there. We're we're slowly, slowly, just just like just like an ultra, or just like coast to coast. Yeah. You know, you
0: just take it, chunk it down, one step at a time. I find it, I find it fascinating the whole distribution thing and the whole um, little little business because you know I'm, I'm entrepreneur too, and, and yeah. I've got the same. It's a different product, obviously, but we've got my my new book coming out, and it's the whole same thing. You have to get it to distribution. You have to get it to bookstores. Yeah. You have to get it on to Amazon, Kindle, God knows whatever's e-books. Get it overseas. Yeah. Yeah get it translated into other languages, hopefully, get it into Australia and the U.S., and all of this sort of stuff that you have to be aware of. And we yeah. have no idea. Oh, oh, totally. And <laughs> like, just like little things like packaging,
1: like like all yeah. of the packaging designs, mm. there's so much that goes into it. And and people just, like, I, I don't think they, I don't know if they realize just what no. goes on behind the scenes. And just we how go.
0: To the supermarket will yeah. pick up a product. And yeah, like, oh, yeah. It just magically <laughs> arrived there.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot that goes into it. So, so, so I'm looking at yeah we want to um, hopefully get this distribution happening and and it'll give us a little bit more like you know they'll be able to get us into more places like the four squares and and yeah. hopefully more of the new worlds and, and get more ranging and countdown so so that's what's coming up um, what so so really working on that and then we've got our property and so I, I'm a bit of a homebody and. I love working on my land. I love planting trees. I planted about 5,000 native trees on our property wow. rehabbing. Wow. So we've got bush out the back, which is, be- it's absolutely beautiful. Um, but the front section, there's um, like a whole hillside, which, well, it's funny because it's got gorse on it. And, you know, at first I was going to just blitz all the gorse and get rid of it. But it's actually really good to stabilize the hill. But it's also um, nitrogen fixing. at the legume. Oh wow, so it's actually really good for the soil nutritionally um, as a dietitian, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> uh, the gorse isn't so bad, and also too, the native, it's a good nursery plant for the natives to come through. Wow, so we've been up here for a few years now, and even in that time, I can see the natives starting to overtake the gorse. Wow, um, but I'm still doing a lot of planting like um I, I did a whole section that was quite steep, and then I've got like along our roadside that I've done. Um, and it just takes a lot of maintenance and a lot of.
0: Um, That'll keep you fit.
1: It does cool. keep me fit. Like if I if I do a day on the scrub cutter, I feel like I've done a big coast to coast session.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Em, that's that's um I, I, we're about to wrap up now but i just wanted to thank you very much for coming on the show and for sharing your wisdom because um you know it's really interesting i i have no idea what it takes to do a coast to coast so all i've ever done is run
1: <laughs> I've, i'm oh, the same thing with ultras nice. like i i'm sure like i could do an ultra but i just couldn't imagine doing like 100 or 200k oh all,
0: okay. white. <laughs> for you i'd say <laughs>
1: oh i don't know but my i think my feet i think my body's limit is about that 33k
0: mark okay that's me <laughs> yeah um, but yeah it's a different a different you know it takes different skills and disciplines and to do something that complicated i always look at coast to coast and go oh god I've been yeah. go with the kayak and the bike yeah. and the running and you know how much money that takes and how much yeah i'll put on a pair of shoes and run
1: (laughs) i can can totally get that the the simplicity of running is is there's a lot to be said for that and i have to say like that is my go-to um fitness is yoga and running because you just put on your shoes and go there's no stuff to go gear yeah it's easy yeah it's
0: so nice not to be fiddling around with stuff sometimes oh (laughs) totally totally Um, yeah so em any last words that you want to share like if you you know got any young girls out there that are starting out in a career or a sporting (sighs) career or or just thinking about things like anything that you want to think about
1: if there's something stressing you out don't worry about it just focus on yourself focus on what you need to do and just don't worry about other stuff just you know, I used to spend a lot of energy um, wasted worrying about things I couldn't control. Yes. Like it's like Len, my kayak guy. I remember one time, you know, he just you know we were talking about something. I was stressing about something, you know, um, unnecessarily, and Len just said, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it. You'll be <laughs> fine. You'll be fine." And and that was that was actually really good advice. So yeah, don't don't stress stuff and
0: um, don't make mountains out of molehills and just that's catch- right. Keep yeah. pushing forward. Eh? I think. that's right. That's
1: right. And just get out there and do it. And and just um, yeah, work work on your mental game. We read there's some really great stuff. Like I know you mentioned uh, Joe Dispenza. Yeah, uh, my husband actually just mentioned him. I'm gonna start getting into his stuff.
0: Yeah. Amazing, like the whole mind body connection and the, the meditation and the power of leaving all the crap that you've got in the past behind. And yeah. I know, it's some pretty deep stuff. But it's uh, yeah, work in progress. And yeah
1: it's all a work in progress and just you know remember that you're not going to accomplish everything in a day like just do do what you can do within your control and, and understand your limits and just put one foot in front of the other and just go for it sounds blimp.
0: awesome so everybody <laughs> go out and check okay. out em's cookies and buy them support her um what's your website em? so oh, it's,
1: it's um it's powercookies.com.
0: PowerCookies dot com. That's me. Yay! Thanks so much, Lisa. That's really good. Uh, it's been lovely having you on, and, and thanks for being such a great role model. And, um, yeah, we'll hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Okay, that sounds really good. Thanks, Lisa. I
1: look forward to catching up with you as well.
0: That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. And head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisa.tarmati.com.